What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Each and every day, I will seek your face. Thank you for tuning in to Uswap Radio. Stay tuned for a special message from Leighvorn Breeland. You swap radio where we rightly divide the word of truth. And I will go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Well, good evening. This is LeVon Breeland, founder of Urban Glory Campaigns and host of USWAT Radio Program. You are in for a treat tonight. We are going to sort of tag team, if you will, a tab lecture. You're going to have two seminars in one night tonight, and we want to do that to get as much information to you as possible. And for the last two days, we have been on the Leadership Institute, and again, I would like to welcome you. If you so happen to be listening by Internet, um, you can listen by phone, and we encourage everyone to listen by phone um, or Internet to um, to this broadcast. But if you're listening by Internet and you need to get off for some reason and go take care of other affairs and you have access to a cell phone or a phone um, where you're going and you would like to continue listening, call 646-595-4877. Again, I would like to thank you for all of your support, your feedback, and for your diligence in partnering with the vision of this organization to help us empower generations in ministry. So we thank you for listening tonight. Again, tonight um, and all of this week will be on at 6 p.m. But I want to give you some good news. On Sunday, we have um, expanded our show from one hour to two hours. But in order to do this and accommodate your strength, um, we're going to start an hour early um, um, from now on, starting at an hour early at 10 p.m. So our new schedules will be... Uh, Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays at 10 p.m. And we'll be on for two hours with um, loaded information and ministry material, so you would not want to miss some of the new things that are coming on. And, again, anytime you think about the ministry in the evening, just check and look for that 10 o'clock hour and see if it's a Sunday, Tuesday, or Thursday. And if it is, we're going to be on the air proclaiming the word of God. So thank you for listening to the broadcast and keep listening because we believe and we know that you're going to be blessed as a result of the word of God that is um, presented to you in this fashion. Well, tonight we're going to not only be in the word of God, but we're going to be in some business strategies and some um, implementative steps as to how to be excel in ministry and revolutionary times for recession. Recession is a ploy. It's a ploy. It's a it's a tool that 
society uses to um, bring about some forms of change and to use and to stage a um, a fear among the people to get uh, overly concerned about matters. But if they continue to to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit, this recession will not have um, an effect that won't won't delay God's benefits to you if you are led exclusively by the Holy Spirit. Of course, we are all affected by a recession when it's proclaimed, but we don't have to accept the proclamation of a secular um, institution. We live on a higher system and a higher plane, and so we're teaching from those principles on a higher plane, and you have to uh, be willing to hear what the Spirit says to the church in order to have revolutionary resolves for times of recession. So tonight I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into, um, continue from the lesson of last night and um, and allow our instructor um, to continue to instruct. I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit's involvement. I'm going to ask that you pray and then get your notebooks ready. And then at the end, I'm going to conclude in um, adding some more information about business principles. Thank you so much for listening. Let's look to the Lord and get his assistance in tonight's matter. Father, we thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We do lean to the Holy Spirit as educator and guide tonight to instruct from on high what the Spirit has for the church and would do it in clear articulation of speech, deliberation, and continuity of thoughts as we have collectively organized this information to give to those who are called to your sacred vocation. Father, we thank you for your assistance in tonight. And we pray that it will not fall on deaf ears, but it will accomplish what you have purposed it to accomplish. And, Father, you alone will get all the praise, honor, and glory for the things that shall be accomplished and the things that shall be revealed. It is in Jesus' precious name that I do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back, Youth Watch listeners and attendees of Leadership Institute 2009. This is Selena Olivia. I'm one of the instructors for this conference and also host of the uh, Spirit Straight Talk Radio as well as the president of Urban Glory Campaigns. I'm coming to you again, as I stated yesterday, with part two of Integrity and in Ministry. Integrity in the life of ministry yields from a consistent and genuine personal devotion to God and His Word. Ministry becomes an extension of our worship and not a means of validation or because it's what you think you are here for, but because he said to and you love him. Love is to be the motive of everything you do. Jesus himself instructed us to love the Lord our God with all our soul, our might, and all of our strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, saying that this is the first and second commandments of God to love him and to love others. As we walk by faith, as first, excuse me, Second Corinthians 5 and 7 says, which is motivated by love, as Galatians 5 and 6 tells us, we will walk according to the word of truth that we preach, which in turn will make our preaching easy or unhindered. In securing our love of God, we love and reverence his word. 
doing as Paul instructed Timothy in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, and the 15th verse, saying, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Many ministers do not exercise integrity in ministry simply because they do not understand what is expected of them in such a vocation. In order to have integrity in something, you must understand the expectation or job description of the position. Let's define a minister. To minister means to aid, to help, and assist. And minister is defined by Random House Dictionary as a, in its noun form as a person authorized to conduct religious worship, a member of the clergy, a pastor. And the second definition is a person authorized to minister sacraments, as in a mass, as we know of the Catholic uh, religion. The third definition is a person appointed by or under the authority of a sovereign or head of a government to some high office of state, especially to that of a head of an administrative department, the minister of finance is an example. The fourth definition is a diplomatic representative accredited by one government to another and ranking next below an ambassador. The fifth definition is a person acting as the agent or instrument of another. So we see throughout the, def the various definitions of a minister it is someone who not only aids or helps but goes on the behalf of another in some form of government and administration. And many of us do not view, but we should, the ministry as an administrative term. It is an administrative term. And so we approach ministry, the work of the ministry, operations of ministry, not coming with a sense of excellence and, most of all, integrity. And in order for us to come to this with integrity and a sense of soundness and wholeness, as we talked about in the, in the previous session, we must understand what we are expected to do. And we see... Paul and his interaction with those who he mentored, as we talked about yesterday, instructing them on how to conduct themselves in ministry, not only in carrying out what God has told them to do as far as their assignment, but as far as interacting with those that they lead. There's a leadership conference, and we must understand that before we lead someone else, we must, in, as integrity denotes, in our devotion, in our life, in our worship, we must have a a sense of, of a quality to our devotion and our worship, our quality to our prayer time with God and spending time in his presence, really getting to know the one that we are claiming we are called to represent. Integrity initiated occurs when you, first of all, renew your mind. We preach this all the time to those that are in the pews, to laity, but we ourselves have not renewed our minds. Romans, the 12th chapter and the second verse, we know the first verse, of course, says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In, the, in a life of integrity and in, in a ministry of integrity, we prove what is good what is acceptable and perfect according to the will of God. And in order to do this, our mind must be renewed. Our mind must be in a state of soundness, which integrity in, implies and denotes in its defining, in its origin. We also must draw nigh to God in order to initiate integrity. James, the fourth chapter, verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. 
cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you, your hearts, you double-minded. We find again the word purity in this verse as well as James speaking concerning the mind. He says, draw nigh to God and, and correct all this uh, stuff concerning your, your heart being um, contaminated and, and uh, your mind being double, double-minded and unstable, not sound, not sure, not uh, persuaded concerning the things of God and what he has for you, first of all, in your life. These are basic. These are uh, basic principles. These are basic things. And sometimes when we go as ministers and we, we study on behalf of, uh, and to, to prepare to speak on behalf of God, we prepare to speak, but we don't first study the word for our personal lives and our worship to be secure. It's important for us, first of all, to draw nigh to God, knowing that he will draw nigh to us. And in order to implement or to express the integrity in ministry, we must have integrity in our life, first of all. And it will breathe through our ministry. And it comes through, first of all, renewing our mind, coming to a point where our mind is persuaded and sound toward having a relationship with God, first of all, knowing him before we even try to represent him and draw close to him, spend time in his presence. And then after we have created a lifestyle of being in his presence, working out what he works in us, we see in Philippians, the second chapter, verses 12 and 13. First of all, verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He is the one working in us, both to want or desire to do of his good pleasure as well as doing it. And we work out our own salvation according to what he has worked in us. Philippians 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, we find in Ephesians 3 and 20, where it tells us that he is able to do exceeding abundantly of all that we ask for things, according to the power that worketh in us. There we find, again, the power of God working in us. We work out what is worked in us by his spirit. That is how integrity is initiated, by the renewal of our mind, by drawing nigh to God, and working out what he works in us. Integrity is maintained by continuing in love, continuing in faith, and continuing in works. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 38 and 39, we see where Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He denotes here persuasion of not being separated from the love of God, but continuing in the love of God. We also find in the first, second, and third letters of John where he talks about the love of God and how we should operate in our lives concerning the love and how the love of God should be a motivator for our life. And we find in Galatians uh, where Paul says that faith works by love. We live by faith, and faith works by love. So we must continue in this love in order for integrity to be maintained, first of all, in our life, and then 
breathe out in our in the life of our ministry. Second John, the first chapter, verse six says, "And this is love that we walk after His commandments, and this is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Walk in what continuing in love. We must continue in faith." Luke, the twenty-second chapter, verse thirty-two. But I have prayed for thee, these are the words of Jesus, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. We know that Jesus is speaking to Peter in this particular verse. And he's saying the words, I have prayed for you, that your faith fail you not. So he, he implies to Peter, and it is applicable to us, that his priority in his prayer for us is that our faith does not fail. Why? That's what we live by. We must continue in faith. And this is the prayer of Jesus for Peter, and we can apply it to ourselves. And he says that, uh, and when you are converted, strengthen thy brother. First Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 1 through 2, it says, Let a man so account of us, this is the words of Paul to the church at Corinth, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found, what? Faithful. To be faithful is to continue in faith, continuing in uh, working out, as we said earlier, what God has worked in you, being steadfast. Continue in works. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57 through 58, but thanks be to God, these are the words of Paul again, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that is not in vain. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. James, the third chapter, verse 13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom, ones that have been proclaimed or announced as leaders. We are expected, and it is a it is a uh, quality that we are to have as leaders, to have wisdom. In fact, the scripture says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who, who giveth liberally and abradeth not. We are expected to be ones of wisdom. You have wisdom. If you consider yourself to be one of wisdom, show your wisdom through good conversation in your works. Continue in work. Integrity and ministry and leadership is duplicated. After we've maintained it, we duplicate this. We duplicate the integrity that we are expressing in our ministry, first of all, in our life and in our ministry. We duplicate it or pass it on, create a legacy when we strengthen our brother. And when we bear the burdens of our colleagues, and when we when we continue in fruitful fellowship, when fruitful fellowship remains, we strengthen our brother. As Jesus said, we went over this verse prior, Luke, uh, the twenty second chapter, verse thirty two. But I have prayed for thee, talking to Peter, that thy faith fail thee not. In the latter portion, he says, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. As we strengthen. Those that are are part of the body of Christ, especially those who are in leadership, just as we as we are converted concerning the things, the principles of God, 
and operating not only in the life of a believer but as a minister of the gospel. When we're strength, when we're converted, and we strengthen our brother, we create, uh, we we help them continue in what we are continuing in as far as faith, works, and in the love of Christ, which is all necessary and imperative for us to have effective and integrity-filled ministries. Sound ministry. How can we have a sound ministry if we first are not operating in the love of God, continuing in faith, actually acting out what we believe? We have the same spirit of faith, as Scripture says. We believe, therefore we speak, and not only speak with our, our, our lips, but our conversation, our conduct is speaking the faith that we say that we believe. Our integrity is expressed, and we duplicate it when we strengthen our brother to do the same thing. And then we bear the burdens of our colleagues. We speak this all the time to laity and to those in the pews concerning bearing uh, one another's burdens, bearing the infirmities of the weak, but we don't do that for each other with us having the same type of responsibility and having a, a, uh, a heavier weight of requirement than those that are in the pews because we are considered leaders. We are to bear the infirmities of our colleagues. Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So fulfill the law of Christ. Fruitful fellowship remaining causes integrity to be duplicated. In Hebrews, the tenth chapter, we've heard this many times and spoken many times. Uh, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Not only the assemblies of our churches, but the assembly of us in ministry, uh, encouraging one another, strengthening one another in conference settings and seminar settings, such as what we're doing right now by this radio broadcast, strengthening one another, encouraging one another, and as the quote says, ironing, iron sharpening iron. It is important for fruitful fellowship to remain. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 19 through 20, Paul says these words, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking to yourself, he's talking about fellowship to the church of Ephesus. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is the activity and operation that happens in fellowship, uh, worship, psalms and hymns that serve as exhortation, serves as encouragement, serves as edification, as the Spirit has willed and as the Spirit has designed for worship to do for all of us. Encouragement, exhortation, strengthening. Fruitful fellowship remaining in the house of God, especially amongst the leadership. A unity in love and in peace, especially among the leadership, will cause integrity, not only in our ministry life, but in the lives of those who we lead. It will cause it to be duplicated. We will see those who, as Paul prepared Timothy and Titus, and he even prepared Philemon for the work of the ministry, will see that happening now in this day and in this time. Faced with an economic downturn, a modern-day type famine, the call for integrity still rings louder, yet heard dimmer in the hearts of too many leaders across the globe. Manipulation introduced by temptation has received a welcome into more pulpits to satisfy the pockets of greed-stricken ones who disrespect the God they represent. 
and disappoint the persons they mishandle, acting as a god of themselves, providing and supplying a life for themselves and often their families. When will this cycle end? Let it end today if you are in this place for you. It is time for us men and women of God of honor to hold our colleagues, first of all ourselves, and to hold our colleagues in the gospel accountable for their usury, changing their mind, and repent and walk worthy of their vocation with a life and ministry of integrity. There's a call of responsibility to responsiveness in our hearts to reverence God for the sake of divine representation. We are his agents, ministers of the light of the gospel of Christ, and must emulate that light until the day of the Lord. Now, you know that was awesome, glory to God. So we're going to continue on in the word. Well, not necessarily in the word because we got the word. Now we're going to get into some principles pertaining to business. And integrity in ministry for Christian leaders is essential to understand. And what you were given was a systematic flow of scriptures along with commentary that will teach you how to establish that integrity in your life. So that's essential because, you know, observing um, CNN and different things, they're trying to legalize marijuana and ethical issues are being raised by the day. Um, even today, and I believe if not today, if it was yesterday where there was a a city council meeting to decide whether to legalize um, same-sex marriages. And uh, we we need a greater form of leadership to awaken with 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 Christian ethics and morals, and that that has to begin with ministry. When you come into the relationship with Jesus Christ, everything transforms and transcends to His ministry. When you become in union with Him, it makes the difference. And I don't think that as as Christians we really get that what that entails, that when we say we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we're not just uh, taking, we're taking on his nature, his excellence, his morals, his character, and also his leadership. And he has provided the greatest example, the Holy Spirit, that guides strictly by truth to lead us into that manner in which we should go. And that's integrity. And if you don't have integrity, you're not going to be successful in God's eyes. Irregardless of how successful you con your way up to achieving the world, you're not going to stay in this world. <laughs> you're going to have to meet your maker one day at some point in time. So you're going to need to know how to approach him, and he's an all-holy God who cannot look on sin. And integrity is the means to get us into righteousness. But there has to be a willingness to be a person of integrity. And that's what we're missing in the church because we, we've used the sacred cow, if you will, all the sacred things that we've termed as Christianity and made it, and made it excuses and, and, and just religious rhetoric so that people don't look at the church as the source of authority. So in order to do that, we have to become the ministry of integrity and then learn 
that the children, see, the scripture says that the children of men uh, of this world are wiser than the children of God. Well, that's as a result of the course, but Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us that the righteousness of God may be fulfilled in us. And if that is the case, then we are much wiser, and we have a solution greater than any world um, suggestion that could stimulate. We have a greater stimulus plan than they could ever achieve because of the righteousness of God within us. And that righteousness should provoke us to examine the nature of business and to use business adventures and avenues and opportunities as means by which the kingdom can expand. In order to do that, you're going to have to be a person of integrity. And then as we talked about on Monday, you're going to have to look at business differently by embodying the source of authority, what he's given you, a vision, and working it as a person who has been called out of darkness and placed into the marvelous light. To form a comprehensive approach to leadership, not only for the sake of appreciation, but application, we must examine key elements to leadership that will suggest systematic resolutions and functions that give some sort of motivation for becoming what you know you should be. We resolve spiritual uh, that spirit, that being spiritual and having spiritual knowledge um, based on the true visions from God in the secular sect, they would tell you to go after your dreams. But we know dreams are not visions. They can contain a vision, but dreams are not visions. So we're not to go after our dreams. We're to go after dream visions because visions are loaded with instructions and implemented stages of how to make what we see or perceive an actual reality versus an assumption or an ideal. So we're not just living the American dream. We're not living God's dream. God gives us an illumination in our mind, creativity in our heart, a functional soul and a functional spirit, and a functional body, so that way we can make the kingdom of our Lord um, on earth as it is in heaven. So, so I know, uh, what, what, and, and the reason why I've had this particular teaching, I wanted you to have two aspects of it. Because some of the things that I'm going to give you is improved upon, it goes beyond the business rhetoric that you hear. Because we know the word of God, and the word of God tells us we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we know that the word of, that proceeds out the mouth of God can come in various forms. But a lot of times we tell even church people to go after their dreams when that might not be the plan that God has for them. God, if God wants you to go after something, he's going to give you sight. But that sight is going to have, within that sight, implement of stages to carry it out. So visions, of course, connect you back to a source of authority. And that source of authority, um, with the vision, it contains, distinguishes how and what manner you should construct your leadership development. And if we could have that people who love God to begin to fashion themselves in that vein, irregardless of what church they go to, because they are a child of God 
and they believe that he's the creator of heaven and earth and that he's all-knowing and all-wise and always present, then it, the attitude to approaching the matters that he has conveyed for you to implement should be much stronger than your admirations that go into your um, dreams and every ideals and things like that. So we have to get a little deeper. This is a loaded with Instructions and implemented stages to make what we see and perceive actual realities. And visions are what what successful organizations exist upon. In the following discussion, we want to cover how to, how to use change through functional leadership as a tool that will develop strategies, which is essential to the work um, to the workforce needed to establish a strong leadership body. So. You're getting the understanding about the Ministry of Integrity. We talked about what functional leadership is, and we gave an outline. We gave you five plans of development of what a true leader is, the essence of characteristics of leadership. And we told you that leadership should not be confused with operating and functioning in a position. And often we... We confuse that just like we confuse influence with authority because a person is uh, influential. We believe that they should assume authority. Well, influential is always subject to the, sub, the, the continuum of, of change. But see, if God spoke to you to tell you to do what you do, no one in the world could come against God because he was your source of authority. And if we would begin to use those measures as leaders in the church, in the confines of the church, we won't get duped by people who who portray good influence but lack the character because they don't have no authority or vision. And 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 that that's what I'm calling the church to revisit. The the power that we contain is based on our source of authority. Irregardless of if we're in the view of the media or not, we're still the authority because God has called us out of darkness. And he placed us into the marvelous light. So we got to begin to set up basic business developments that will spark out a vision that promotes a relief of change. And change is one of these things that people jump on and and, and they try, if they don't have vision and authority, they will abuse the power of change. And that's what you're seeing, and that's how you can see um secularism being infused with faith matters because we we jump on the bandwagon of, oh, we need to make a difference, and we don't know the source of authority behind the difference that is needed. If there's a difference that needs to be done, sometimes it's because we're not even faithful and don't know what we have. And because of the lack of knowledge, people are destroyed, not because of a lack of spirit, not because of a lack of change, not because of a lack of Holy Ghost power, but because of a lack of knowledge. And the worst thing about it is that we just, we just transmit it to future generations and they die because of our ignorance. Somewhere we're going to have to make a difference. Somewhere we're going to have to make a change and look at how God has told us to do. And if, if you don't know by now, the scripture, you can just look and exhaust yourself in Proverbs all the way through Revelation, even before Proverbs, and look through the Old Testament, the primitive stages of the church, for, um, of, of the body of Christ or the people of God. And you can see that God is a wise master builder. In other words, he is the greatest businessman that you could ever partner with. 
And when we learn how to approach God as an all-holy and all-wise and all-knowing God, you're going to find a transparency that transcends you into a level that's superior to mere technologies, that's superior to men's wisdom, that will put you in a position that will promote you above all that you can expect. So let's talk about business development. And in business development, I'm going to get a little bit opinionated in this particular portion of, of this lesson so that way you can understand that there are things that you have to do to position yourself. And it's not because the God is trying to prevent you, but you have to position yourself for business. And, 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 um, and that's what we're going to talk about. So just continue to listen. I had to take a sip for a second. All right. Change is set to take ownership of objectives, target results, and outcomes to afford business or organizations to residually bring in capital that will not only sustain the functional functioning of a vision but afford excessive benefits to all parties that are affected by the market's products produced as a result of the vision. Now, what you're going to find in my dialogue with you is that everything is going to go back to the vision because the vision is only designated and delegated from a source of authority that is found in God. So if I come at you and you can't tell me the source of your vision, then I can't do business with you. And if God is not your source, I can't do business with you. Because then your, your source, which provides you the authority to excel, is in question. And the church is compromised on these things. That's why you'll see a church that will have a secular marketing team and bring in secular theologies and, and produce secular success. But then corruption spills out and then they leak it all over the media and then we are, are, are so judgmental because we say we're not following that no more. Why? Because the vision is skewed and there's no source that's connected to God. And when we start connecting our source and start targeting people concerning their vision and then practicing with people a vision, we'll see the standard change. And the, the world will look on the church and say, well, what must we do? So when you talk about business, your attitude has to change. And part of the ministry and like um, uh, Selena said, um, president of the organization, of course, um, like part of the ministry function is business. Jesus said, I got to be about my father's business. As a boy, he had an understanding that God's agenda and the reason why he was associating himself around the rabbis of that day was because it was a part of his father's business. And he must be about his father's business. And he constructed his ministry as a business to the point that he had 72 other disciples. He had 12 disciples, all who were found already understanding the concept of a vision and follow through, functional people. They had the concept of function working in their lives personally so that way they could adapt that principle into the ministry and perfect it. Now, there's a perfection that should come out of ministry, but a lot of times we don't even 
pro, have a program that isolates and recognizes their, their functional capabilities in the church. And so you can find doctors, lawyers, um, uh, attor- um, um, uh, Supreme Court justices, accountants, uh, uh, pharmacists, uh, all types of fields in your congregation talking about holding on to God's unchanging hand when they have all the power that it takes to make a functional ministry work where you can really affect the lives of the people. But because you're so short-sighted and have this one one man show, the truth of God's word can shed light on you to see that God wouldn't have someone walking with him that wasn't functioning. And you have a congregation sitting there as an advantage to you that, as an advantage, not to you, rather, but for the kingdom's sake, for the kingdom's sake, and they're sitting there getting fat and dying in their graves, all under the name of God, because we don't have people looking at forms of leadership and forms of function and making it work and becoming selfless for the sake of the kingdom and becoming obedient even to death on the cross as Jesus did so that way we can have that same mind. You remember what Philippians told you, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of the fashion of a man and humbled himself even to death on the cross, therefore God so highly exalted. You know that scripture. Well, let's make it relevant. And in making it relevant, it's taking on the attributes that Jesus took on and applying it at will. What's the will? The will of God is to see that his children exemplify his standards, his modus operandi on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I've got a few times that I want to get to this because I want you to understand that we're not just jumping on the bandwagon of change the world but we're changing the world based on our source of authority and based on the stipulations that he has delegated through the concept of vision. And when we have vision, we can set and take ownership of objectives, target results and outcomes, afford business organizations to resistantly bring in capital that will not only sustain the functional of a vision, but afford excessive benefits to all parties that are affected in marketing, um, and marketing products will not only produce the functioning of that vision, but it will market the vision because the vision is under the guise of the creator. After that occurs consistently in spans of five years, you want to review your course of actions taken and look for new and improved technology systems to review. Um, let me read that again. And, and these are my notes, so I wrote this. I, I just want to make sure that you get this as clear as possible because change is, is set to take ownership once you have that vision. Now, if you are working in a secular field and ministry is part-time, don't go in the secular field and try to convert someone else's vision to your advantage. That's selfish. You make sure, see, God will give you the land when you are a laborer and not when you're a laborer in somebody else's land, but he'll give you your own land. And a lot of times we try to go in and make other people's systems our land instead of trusting God for us to show us the place that we should go. He didn't ever take someone, something from some, that belonged to someone else's and give it to them because they were just wicked. 
I know this, the scripture says the wicked, um, the, the treasures of the wicked, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, but that wealth belonged to the righteous in the first place. And the only reason why it was laid up and it was wicked was because the wicked had come into the righteous territory and made it wicked because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We're in a different time period now. We're in the time period where the kingdom of God is at hand, and the kingdom of God is nigh, and it's all, and it should be instinctively adapted within us. So we, we need to come up with better things instead of trying to copycat the world and copycat the, um, the manner in which the world functions and just re- reproduce it and call it success. That's not success in God's eyes. And that's why you need to hear this from a minister's standpoint that, hey, some of your stuff, you know, that you're doing, and I see you even doing it, you're supposed to be pastors, those who are separated unto God to lead God's precious people in the manner in which he would. But yet you are succumb to other preachers and, and reproducing churches after organizations that don't allow you to seek God and know as to how God would entrust you with the people that he's entrusted you with. And so you go patterning yourself after men who make the word of God of no effect. And that produces a problem. Well, we got to go on. We got to start thinking better. And when we have a vision, see, if you don't have a vision, you don't have no reason to be in this form of leadership that I'm talking about. You may be in a position, but you don't need to be in leadership. And if the church, who those who we have considered gifted would would isolate whether or not they're truly leaders, it would change the concept of people accustoming, um, assuming because they're gifted that they're ready for leadership. If we would have people with vision and promote those people with vision to be in place, male or female, and let me deal with that because, see, we have, see in Christ there is no gender. And Christ is the means by which God energizes the vision. It's, it's the empowering mechanism. It's the empower character, characteristics of the spirit that has been regulated to empower us as a people. That's Christ. Hallelujah. So, and there I go saying hallelujah again at a business meeting, but it's good when you're doing about your father's business, about God's business. So we got we got to change our perspective on change, and of course, change is 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 a a pattern that that is the tool that business development thrives upon. And when you have a vision, change is set to take ownership of objectives and target results and outcomes to afford businesses residual capital. Okay. After this occurs consistently in spans of five years, you want to re- review your courses of actions taken and look for new and improved technology systems and even possibly manpower that will create divisive and defensive moves that will delay or halt competitive forces, giving you an advantage and spans of time strategic to strategically think, pursue new opportunities and forwardly integrate new concepts of change. So you have to learn how to use change as a tool. And if you don't learn how to use change as a tool, you're going to find yourself going after pipe dreams. You know, pipe dreams, it leads to nowhere. What you will discover in these fundamental, when these fundamental steps occurs, it, re- it recurs at 
greater you, your, the demand for your business or for your vision, the more frequent it will occur. So developing organizational skills, time management mastery tools, and expanding technologies will prompt you to push forward. Then if, if afforded an executive advantage, it will be beneficial for you to develop these attributes not only in products but in characteristics of the vision that your that your business or organization demands. You know, I'm 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 gonna put a plug in right here. A lot of times you try to build people to function in what's already presented instead of taking time away to seek God as to how the vision is being implemented and empowered in the organization that you're entrusted with, especially in pastoring. And in some cases of pastoring, you're not coming in as the founding leader. So um, so there are times that you have to learn and educate yourself about the vision. Why did these people come together? And then ask God, was it correct? And if it wasn't correct, then you're going to have to trust the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you as to how to correct the process. And then if it was correct, you're going to have to have diligence in reintroducing people to the vision because the vision is what God's going to honor as the, as, because he gives the vision. And he tells you to write in to make it plain, but we'll go there. There's a law of motion that I want you to embrace as it pertains to business development, and it, and it is this. All functions must be residual. All functions must be residual, meaning either by addition or subtraction of a process in your business vision, um, in your business vision, there will remain some form of complementing quality, quantity, or characteristic that will validate, hallelujah, that will validate your leadership involvement. And this means that you must determine to be vision-driven in every form of function as it pertains to your business or organization. You should never be personal uh, or you should, ne- you should never be personal. Render due time allotment, and therefore business development begins with personal management. So why? Because you need to learn how to separate your family from your, your ministry. You've got to learn how to separate uh, uh, business from pleasure. You've got to learn how to separate character issues from objectivity and, and, and various things as, as it pertains to business. And part of ministry demands business to be in function. Okay, so another distinct facet of business development is transcribing your vision in forms of documents, procedures, and policies. Ideas hold no credence without a table of stone. Failure to write and make it plain, um, and that should remind you of Habakkuk 2 too. Another connotation for the word plain is to be turned is pattern. If you look up in the Greek, that word plain is pattern, something that someone can visibly follow, a pattern, okay, which will result, uh, in, and if you don't have it, if you don't have documentation, it's not plain. It's not a pattern. And so that's one of the things that I've encouraged my staff to do. Every procedure that you have going on in your organization should have a pattern for others to follow, right? So the, so because th- that will alleviate wasted time, confusion, and, of course, you know that, that great RS will demolish your unorganized vision if you don't become accustomed to the principle of writing things on tables of stone. 
why do you think God wrote stuff on stone? He wasn't writing it on stone to show them that he was God. He wrote it on stone so they could go back and it could last through the continuum of time. And look at how valuable his words last. It helps us even today. So you will discover that scribing every form and fashion of your vision will re- result in excessive capital, customer compliance, and your vision and protection from legal junkies. Because people love to sue people who don't have a written vision. And you can use this in whatever connotation. If you're a businessman, write stuff down. Start documenting things. Show folk the pattern. Reveal the pattern. They can't. Now, one, if God has given you the vision, and if it's not their vision for them to repeat it, they can't They can't benefit from it anyway. So it shouldn't. But that's why, you know, some people say, well, why do you um, come on and do your lessons like you do and then allow people to download it? You can't be me. You're not vested with the authority that I have to do what I do. So even if you come on blog talk and start your own radio program, you're not going to do it, be able to replicate the anointing and the, and the authority that is on this vision because it's a part of a vision. It's based on a source of authority that was delegated to me, not, not today, not 10 years ago, but before I was even in my mother's womb. There was a knowledge and a foreknowledge for me to do it. And the same thing with visions. And visions will then discipline you. That's where that discipline will come because you're, in, you're, you're carrying a vision that demands you to be in order so that way you can communicate to an all-wise and all-knowing and an all-holy God. So vision will straighten you up. Vision will cause you to... Uh, rightly divide God's word. Vision will cause you to set up proper and healthy relationships. Visions will keep you from abstaining yourself from unrighteous activity. Vision will cause you to live right. So change as a tool must be strategic, and that's what we're learning. If you are not, if you are not the head of the organization or business institution, you will have to rely on the accuracy of the Holy Spirit the believer's advantage as to how your um, your creativity is to be used to spark change that relates to empowering the vision. There are no limits to change, but there are limits placed upon the source of authority to the vision to control and to function change for the greater good. You must remember that as a believer, you have core values that are universal to business development, and you must have agreement with God to embark upon what he deems as true success. So that's what I wanted to give you tonight. Now, I want you to jot these things down. These are five essential uh, skills to achieving excellence for self-awareness. Understanding time management is number one. Number two is problem solving. Number three is advanced communication skills. Number four is marketing method- methodology. Things comes in methods, patterns, and you have to advertise in a pattern fashion to see results. And then there's spiritual educational advancements. God will not prosper anything that is not in in union with his spirit because he sent his spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. Then there are five self stages for um so, uh, five stages to self strategic management that I want you to understand. God wants you to be uh, aware of your competence. 
He wants you to be aware of your character and your which will thrive out of your communication. You can always tell someone's character by the manner in which they communicate. So sometimes when they have deficiency in their communication skills, it's because they have deficiencies in their character. You don't need the Holy Ghost to tell you that it's just common sense. And you have to allow that to be your guide at times. But you also have the greater one that's within you that will reveal to you because he only leads you and guides you into truth by means of the Spirit. So if you allow the Spirit of God to have proper place in your life, you'll always be able to be aware of character communicative skills. And then there's creativity thinking, creative thinking skills. These are self-strategic management, not for somebody else's advantage but for yourself. Creative thinking skills and then the capacity to critically analyze. And a lot of times people confuse um, you being judgmental with being critical. And there are some things you have to critically analyze so that way you won't get duped by, by human error. When you have the greater one that's within you, spirit logic, spirit understanding, it can eradicate human error. And you've got to be able to go and look at things at face value because the truth is what's going to allot freedom. And then there's competitive awareness, competitive awareness. Also, five functional reminders of embodying the concept of leadership. You've got to resolve to be excellent in all things. That's number one. And you've got to always prosper. Possess planned actions for daily affairs. See, if you don't learn how to develop planned actions for your affairs, you're not going to be able to take a system and then take ownership over that system and plan its affairs. And that's also embodied systematically in vision. And when you learn, and maybe, and we're going to have a whole teaching, um, the, the second, because this is the first of three. The second one is going to be talking about vision based on the source of authority. So th- that's where you're going to get that information from. So just keep listening to the broadcast, and you'll get information on that. Number three, acknowledge that reality, the reality of actual occurrences, occurrences um, and forms of int- to form introspection. So you got to see what's actually happening. And I'm telling you, media and media ministry is not showing you what actually happens. So get over what you see from the TV and learn how to work your ministry and what God has ordained you to do because what you see is not what's being done. Okay, actual reality. God is a transparent God. And that's what makes you different. That's what keeps you stable in a crooked world. You can see God at work when you learn to live and be led exclusively by the Spirit because the Spirit leads you and guides you to truth versus facts, versus fiction, versus ideals, versus subjections. He leads you and guides you to truth. Hallelujah. And then you got to number four, react forcefully when it pertains to producing resolves for conflict. Forcefully. That means you be the initiator of resolve. You do whatever it takes to get things right. And if you learn how to do it in your personal affairs, you'll empower your leadership positions. And then number five is to become personally responsible for how you create moments in time. Because time is a tool, just like change is a tool that God has placed within your hands. So the scripture lets us know to Lord teach us how to number our days. You have to take a discipline to yourself to learn how to use the, and, and create moments for your time. 
and that will make the difference because you're in control when it comes to business development, not the spirit. The spirit is just an educator and a guide to help and, um, help show you how to use your authority. But you have to make the choice, and then you have to operate on the choices that you make. So I want to give you five stages of development. And I got two minutes to do it, and I'm going to do it quickly. Five, sta- five stages of developing a leadership profile. See, I gave you what what leaders do, but you got to understand how to do that. And remember, I left you with creating uh, moments and times. Number one is this: create opportunities uh, regularly, build realistic development plans, and be clear about what kinds of skills you will need to further your business strategies. Develop high performance. Not good enough is not enough. Be a role model. So you've got to create opportunities regularly, and you have to learn how to do that, and the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to how to do that. Number two, you've got to educate yourself about business realities. Be frank, constructive, and receive knowledgeable performance feedback. Understand the nature of business and its strengths and weaknesses and goals, then locate the spirit as to how to go about business pertaining to the vision that he has given you. Number three, develop trusted relationships with people. Invest your strongest associations with mission-minded people and trust yourself with that. Then number four, Take calculated risk. Accept what appears to be failure as means of strength to strengthen your core values and to reinforce your vision. So when something seems like it's failed and it's not working, go back to your source and, and, and allow him to enhance the understanding on the vision that he gave you because his word will not return unto him void. And he is faithful. He's not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he's going to do it. He's not going to change his mind because our God is faithful. Well, we're faithless. He's yet faithful. And then number five, we have to take opportunities to lead even if we're not quite ready. We have to put ourselves in role-stretching assignments. And that's what the devil tries to keep you from doing, and that's why you don't see trains. You don't, you don't get in the things that stretch you into becoming fit for the master's use. And you got to go out, and that's what faith does. Now, faith doesn't jump itself on assumptions because if you've educated yourself, learned how to create opportunities and develop trusted relationships and take calculated risks, then when it comes time for you to take lead a project and you build yourself in those stages, then when the role stretch you, you've trusted God in all the process. Now, all of this depends on you trusting God. But that's because trusting God is really located when he reveals to you your vision. Because most of the time when he reveals to you the vision that he's placed in your life, you're not even ready for it. You're not even qualified. And, Lord, if it was based on your actions, you would have been in the grave before you even stepped out. But in Christ, we are new creatures. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And if they are new, we got to go at it from a new approach. And these are the basics a basic business development that sparks out of a vision that promotes the relief of change. So a leadership profile is never completed, and I'm not speaking merely of an outline of your credentials, 
That should be on an updated resume. In this context, it's training the leader to pursue the personifying, the uh, pursue the personification of the life vision that has been invested in them, and then consider that to apply it to businesses. And then, and then in that, you can categorize. Whatever you need to categorize out of the qualities that you develop in creating and applying these stages to your life as to how to go about business God's way. I'm out of time, and we have tomorrow, and we have the next day to continue to give you information. I want you to listen on Friday because... Well, good evening. This is LaVon Breland, founder of Urban Glory Campaigns, host of Ustride Radio, reminding you that Jesus is the Lord, and this is a wonderful Sunday evening that we're coming tonight to discuss the Word of God, and we're going to continue our yearly theme on the, the Great Manifesto, which is the year, understanding the year of the manifestation that's been declared by um by way of revelation to the men and women of God all across the world. This is an era of manifestation, and we need to know what to do, what it means, how to operate in it. And and part of this manifestation is revealing what has been established. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight in the fourth primary of this particular lesson, the Great Manifesto. I'm delighted to be in the scriptures and to find myself exhausted in the revelation of his word. It is the word that I have hid in my heart that keeps me alight and focused into the plans that he has not only for myself but for this particular ministry. And I thank you for listening tonight. If you're listening by phone, if you're listening by phone, um, please call 646-595-4877. Again, that's six four six five nine five four eight seven seven. And um, if you listen to my internet for some reason, you have to get off the internet. You can listen by phone, and you can also pass that number and spread that number around and let everyone know. Um, let everyone know that um, they can always listen to us by phone, so that way they don't have to. So that way. Um, they they don't have to be limited to the Internet. The Internet is also good for you to download the previous teaching on this particular lesson. I always tell you at the first of the month to often revisit the, ser- the introductory series to this particular lesson, which was called The Hour of Manifesto, The Hour of the Manifesto. And it explains what we're dis- discussing all year round, in addition to that, um, it gives us a good primary um, foundation as to what it means to declare manifestation. And in this particular year, we've already discussed um, um, the first portion of this year, and this is what we're concluding the first division of this teaching today, which is manifested faith. And we've talked about establishing proper grounds for faith, we talked about establishing the divine knowledge through wisdom that is needed for faith. And we also talked about embodying Christ for faith's sake. And then tonight I'm going to give you our lesson in a moment. So 
Keep listening to the programs. We have a system that we go by, and I teach you the word of God in a systematic fashion so that way you will not only be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word and have a reference point for, for you to locate in the scripture that will help you in ministry as ministers of the gospel and also help you um, know what you believe. Recently, the Lord has impressed on me to get very doctrinal, doctrinal meaning instruction in righteousness um, 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 pertaining to the scriptures, the rightly divided word of God, and, and, and because if it can be rightly divided, it can also be wrongly divided. And, you know, in all of our busy schedules, we have purposed um, to set aside time to study the Word of God. And we studied the Word of God by way of Internet radio and by way of this phone. And I want you to begin to listen on Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday nights at 11. However, this week, there's a special thing going on, and you know it's our Leadership Institute. So we want you to join us each night from Monday through um, Friday at 6 p.m., and we're going to be on for one hour, and we're going to be discussing leadership. My um, uh, my capable executive um, president of the organization is going to be assisting me in the conference study, and she's going to give the ministry aspect of leadership and deal with some other areas of leadership as the Spirit reveals to her biblically and practically as she always does. And I'm going to say something in a second, and then I'm going to give some leadership. I'm going to be coming in a different vein. I'm coming as a businessman, and I'm going to give you some legitimate business principles, step-by-step, flat-out, blunt things that will help you not only in ministry but in leadership and understand some things. And one of the things that we're going to be dealing with strategic the awakening of spiritual strategic leadership in times of recession. My whole session, and there's some more other sessions, but I want you to join us each night, Monday through Friday, the 4th through the 8th of May at 6 p.m. I've been advertising it online. I'm sure many of you have heard it. Spread the word. We're going to be on at 6 p.m., so do not look for us on Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. because you won't hear us unless you go on the Internet and download what we've already um, displayed. Um, so keep keep listening. Now, come next week, we're going into the – we're concluding on the consecration. And um, we're going to um, – I'm going to give another lesson on the consecration on Sunday. And then from the 10th of May to the July 30th, we're going to be studying godliness like you have never um, – understood systematically before because we're going in the light of the scripture for these times as the Lord has set apart time for us to study his word specifically on godliness and the realities of righteousness. I'm excited about that particular teaching. The Lord has been prepping me for it um, this for a very long time. And I think now as I go through the study a little before you, um, I'm seeing the, the vitality of the word in various forms. Now, tonight I have an assignment from the Lord that is going to enlighten us. It's going to conclude the first portion and the phase of, of teaching, which is manifesting um, Christ. And then we're going to go next month into um, manifesting our faith, rather, for the great manifesto. And then we're going to go into the next primaries of the great manifesto next month in June and July and August and September, and then we're going to go into the final portion in 
um, um, October, November, and December, and I guarantee you your life is never going to be the same as a result of what you heard about this year manifestation because in 2010, Oh, we're going to be eradicating sin. We're going to, I just came up with that in my head. I didn't use that as a theme for next year. But we, but I don't want you to, we're not going to live in a sin state. And, and ministers of the gospel, it's time for us to step up and to stand up and to be what God has ordained us to be. Well, tonight I'm going to take you to some loaded passages. So I want you to, to jot them down. And then I'm going to pray and I'm going to get directly in tonight's lesson. And we are continuing the series of the Great Manifesto. Tonight's article of foundation will be in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 23, and chapter 3, verses 4, and verses 10 through 17. And I also want you to jot down Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26, and Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 through 5, and 17 through 18, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Also, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. And Romans chapter 8, verses 3 through 18. And then we'll conclude by the Spirit of God in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, and 13 through 15. And these scriptures are so impacted with the word of God that I'm just, I'm just so overwhelmed. At, I, I would encourage you to study this after the lesson, not only for the sake of getting through the material of the lesson, but just commit to studying them. They're going to bless your life. And I believe tonight's lesson is really going to help you as a minister, minister to God's precious people for these great and precious times. Well, let's look to the Lord as we continue. And, of course, you know we're going to go to Luke 18, 17, and 18. And um, we may visit Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Um, but let's look to the Lord and get the Holy Spirit involved in tonight's lesson and um, go straight into the lesson. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for those who have covenanted with me to study the word of God as ministers of the gospel, who, who regularly minister and display the vocation and sacredness of your ministry. I pray that their ears are anointed to hear what the Spirit says to the church. I do covenant with the Holy Spirit as educator and guide tonight to speak through my mind and deliberate through my thoughts, clear articulation of speech and continu continuity of of, of of the scriptures that you have made known and relevant for this lesson. I do covenant with the Holy Spirit that I would be led exclusively by him in the fashion in which he would display to your precious people. Tonight, Father, I ask for a special anointing on the ears, hearers, that they would be anointed to hear what the Spirit says to the church. And you alone, Father, will get all the praise, honor, and glory for the things that shall be accomplished and the things that shall be revealed. It is in the name that is above every name, the precious name of Jesus, that I do pray and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we are on a particular series called the Great Manifesto, or the Great Manifestation, underlining the understanding of what it means to declare a year to be the year of manifestation. 
2009 manifestation time has been declared all over the world that God is going to bring about some things on the earth that we need to take note of and to be uh, cognizant of as we walk the walk of the Lord. And, and it is that walk that I'm talking to you tonight in the particular lesson of manifesting our faith. And we've talked of various things as it pertains to manifesting our faith and embodying the nature and the attribute of the Lord Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. It is our continuing mission to advance in the given knowledge that, that has been designated to produce proof that our profession of faith is congruent to the character of Christ in communication, consecration, and compliance to divine sovereignty. And how, how, oh, how have we gone through this particular phase of teaching? And I believe we're entering into a new realm of understanding as we allow the word of God to be final authority, final authority over our affairs. Just before I get into the lesson, I want to usurp and kind of coin here my appreciation. Um, on Thursday, I had... Um, I was in need of some serious rest, um, and the Lord was restoring some strength to me. I've been on a new regimen of exercise and activity, and I was really in need of some um, rest. And our executive president, the president um, of our organization, Urban Glory Campaign, Selena Olivia, took my lesson on the, uh, the courageous consecration and introduced us into the call of consecration that we're going into May 10th through the 30th of July. And I wanted to thank her um, openly because those who do things secretly should be rewarded openly um, for her efforts and going through the entire lesson to help me in ministry. And that's very important when you have a team of supporters. I have a growth staff that really supports me because they're led by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> to help me, and that's why I call them my ghost staff, that helps me and can come in and just take on the nature of this ministry. And, and whether you know it or not, there's a lot more to it than just um, just coming on here and giving you some scriptures. There's a lot that goes with this particular organization. And so I wanted to thank her for taking on the responsibility that I have for this ministry on Thursday night. And that's, you know, that's our prime night for the ministry because that's the, 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 the program designated night that we have. If any other night goes, that night is the prime time. And so um, I appreciate that, and I wanted her to know that, and I want all of you to know that it's very important that you give honor to where honor is due. And when someone comes on your behalf and speaks in your ministry, it's important that you thank them openly and let people know that they, they didn't have to do it. But they took it on. And, you know, it's, it's even more challenging when you have the responsibility to go with a curriculum that has already been established because you're not giving your own opinion. You're speaking literally what the Lord has purposed and prepared that person. And when I, when I have someone speak, I don't just loosely give them my platform. So um, I gave my notes, um, and she did a better job on the notes. It took me about three lessons to get through, through – um, my, um, my, with, for me to get through the lesson, and she got through the whole lesson in one lesson. And so I thank God for it, and I'm excited. I would encourage you to download it because I want you to just learn how to follow instructions as ministers 
Sometimes you're going to be called. Why am I going here? Praise God. Maybe the Lord want me to share all of this for some reason. Glory to God. Well, when you're called on for ministry, then sometimes you give an assignment. And, you know, the reason why God can bless some of you with your own ministry is because you're not faithful in somebody else's ministry. Faithful being completely devoted and loyal in doing what they have described as the vision for their ministry. Even you as pastors who assume the role of pastor, there may come a time in your ministry where you might be assigned to go minister at somebody else on their behalf and take their notes and minister the word that God has given them in their stead. And that's a, that's a time of testing. And one of the statements that I made earlier this year, and I made it on the last few lessons, is that you as ministers need to not confuse, and, and you can look at the, the series Empowering the Preacher's Prayer Life, but you need to make sure that you don't confuse conf the, the confidence that is established in Christ Jesus with your arrogance. That, um, that because you can function and, and, um, and exemplify the persona of preaching, that you, that, you don't, that you don't embed yourself in the character that's found in the confidence of Christ. So you need to make sure that you do that. Now, that has nothing to do with my lesson tonight. It's kind of do um, because it is part of the manifestation. Um, part of manifestation is integrity. That's right. And, and that's what establishes, thank God for help, glory to God. I tell you, my ghost staff is just wonderful. But um, part, of, part of us operating in the realm of manifestation is our integrity, and, and I thank God for that. Amen. Well, tonight's lesson is the fourth primary of this particular passage of or teaching on manifesting faith because one of the, 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 the things that will be manifested in this particular time is the quality of our faith. And, of course, you know, we are producing proofs in our lifestyle, by our way of life, that our professional faith is congruent to our character, which is established in Christ, in communication, consecration, and compliance to sovereignty. So, so that's very important. But tonight's lesson is entitled, Empowering the Message of Being Complete in Him. Empowering the message of being complete in him. What does it mean to be complete in Christ? And we often, you know, as ministers, you need to understand exactly what it means because when people talk about establishing relationships with the Lord Jesus Christ and accepting him as the Lord, there's an expectation of God as, as, as a, by way of conduct of how they should commit their walk to the Lord. Commit your thoughts, and, and not only your walk, but even your thought life. The Bible says, commit your thoughts unto the Lord, and so shall your way be established. We need to understand that there's a manner and there's an expectation of God for us to understand what it means to be complete in him. For it is that method that empowers us to walk out what we profess um, that, that produces, produces the um, proofs of our faith that makes our walk congruent to him and makes our character compliant with him and makes our consecration valid and makes our compliance to what he says valid in our lives. There has to be meaning to the Christian experience. 
that takes us beyond the religious rhetoric. And that's what this particular lesson is talking about. When we talk about manifesting faith, we are empowering the message of being complete in him. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not come abroad. So that's why we're studying manifestation. But we have to understand the instruction that comes after this profound statement given by the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whomsoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. So we need to understand that there's a manifestation that is ordained to take place in our lives. And as we study what it means to manifest, we're going to find out the quality of our faith is essential to this great manifestation. And in that quality of faith, we will understand what it means to be empowered by as the message of being complete in him in him being Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Let's go to our foundation. It's a very healthy passage, but I think in the end you will find it very rewarding as you walk with the Lord. Colossians chapter 2. And ye therefore receive, as ye therefore have received Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now, you know that was a scripture that we had a few months ago. As ye therefore have received Christ, so walk um, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built it up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught there, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware least any man, um, least, least any man spoil you through vain um, philosophy or philosophy and vain deceit after traditions of men, the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. Wherein ye, um, for in him, who is that? Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete, what, what does it say? We are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers, in whom ye also have circum, um, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made with our hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism where ye also are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Glory to God, who has raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and, and, and the uncircumcision of the flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiveness, forgiving you of all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting and ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross and having spoiled principalities and powers. Glory to God. Made, showed them openly, triumphant over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or the new, or, or the new moon or of the Sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward and voluntary humility and worshiping of the angels, introducing, um, intruding into those things which he have not seen vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind, not holding the head from which all the body and the joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth 
with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the, of the world, why, as though ye are living in the world, are subject to their ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all, which are, are to perish with the using, after the commandments and the doctrines of men, which things have indeed in me indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in the honor, to, uh, uh, not in any honor to satisfying of the flesh. But here's the conclusion of the matter. If ye be risen with Christ, hallelujah, seek those things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. And, of course, you know, skip down to verse 4. When Christ, who is our life? shall appear, we also shall appear with him in glory. Tonight I want to talk to you about what it means to be complete in him. The fruit of our faith is the message which reveals the reality of Christ that we embody in the flesh. Our understanding this principle as an advantage, will translate a religious experience to a righteous relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. When we know who we are and we know why we are who we are and because we are because of who we are and who made us who we are, we can then exemplify this advantage in principle, fortified by the scripture that lets us know that there's a power that takes us above and beyond the natural because we're found in him. Colossians opens up this dialogue by saying, look, there are many people in this world that, that live out of vain philosophies, out of rudiments, out of traditions of men, out of doctrines of men that causes you to, to, to distort, listen to this carefully, the, the manner in which your will should worship. And because of that, the, the, the embracing of the Lord Jesus when Jesus is, is presented to you as, as, a, as, as, as a route of a higher realm or influence has been distorted from being embodied to just an appreciation. So when people at salvation, quote-unquote, accept, quote-unquote, that Jesus was raised from the dead and that they've accepted him as Lord, when they, when they hear things like this, and I'm going on, but I'm going to hit this point, we kind of we kind of nullify this union of the body that should take place in this dispensation, in this present time, in this present fashion, what it means to be in Christ. Because and of course you understand that Jesus that Christ is not Jesus' last name, because we already talked about in the last lesson 
that our embodying the work and the reality of the Lord Jesus reveals how to ascribe to his divine nature, which gives us the means for faith. And that Jesus said that the reality of Jesus is the manifestation of our faith. It is Jesus' display of how he walked in his eternal offering for redemption that justifies our credence to commit our lifestyle to exemplifying who he is. Jesus is this nature. What does this mean to be complete in him? First of all, we've got to understand that Jesus accomplished a, very, a, a lot of things on the cross and that it wasn't a religious experience, but it was a relationship that afforded righteousness for us to come in the presence of God and to find out who we are, what we have, what we can do, what we can do it. Glory to God. And so it becomes the fruit of our faith. I'm excited about this particular lesson. Now, I want you to understand that Colossians, telling me back to chapter 3, and let's read verses 4 and then 10. It says, look, when Christ, Christ becomes our life. So this is, a, this is a definition. I'm going to give you two definitions in tonight's lesson of what Christ is beyond you, you knowing it as divine ability. That's one facet of the word and the nature of Christ. But Christ is our life. This is what it means to be complete in him. And if he had not raised from the dead or at Calvary, we would not be complete in him. But you have to understand that Calvary was not a religious work. It was a finished work. It is not a perpetual experience, but the work that happened at Calvary completed it. He offered everything that needed to be offered to reconcile man to God once and for all. And we are to walk out that complete manifestation on the earth, not as something that is being perpetually introduced to us, but something that has been complete and that is revealed in us. And you know what? Glory to God. Despite what the world and what the religious sect uh, is, has, has, because they have not allowed Christ to saturate their thinking, to saturate their soul, to saturate their body, you are complete in Christ Jesus. Before the foundation of the world, the scripture says, the lamb was slain. So you are complete. You were not born into sin. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. That was David's confession, not, not, and it should not be your confession. You are created in the righteousness of God, made alive in God. And you have been so under that lie that sin tries to introduce to distort what God has done in your life. And when you allow the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ to be made evident in your life, you will find a greater quality of your relationship with God beyond a religious experience. But it will be a, a path of righteousness that he has ordained to establish a relationship with God. What does that mean? That's what this particular lesson says. We are empowered because of that message that we have. What is Jesus? He is our message. And what he did accomplished everything we needed to have this life that overcomes the world, our faith. Glory to God. And so in chapter 3, verse 4, it says, look, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we also shall appear with him in glory. Now, glory is not just indicative of an eternal resting place, but it is a, it, it is a, a, 
a state and a quality of being here on earth as it is in heaven. And verses um, 10 through 17, I've got to get through this lesson quick. And have put on the new man, which is renewed. See, we've got to put on this new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor circumcision, barbarian nor Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put therefore as the, um, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, bent, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have any quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfect perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let this word, see, this is what's going to happen. As a result of you getting into the word of God, understanding what it means to, first of all, identify Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? But you, before you can learn what it means to be in Christ, you need to learn what it means to, to what it means to be Christ, period. And that's what we discussed in the last um, lesson concerning the great manifestation. And what happens is this, 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 one of the things that manifesting faith does, and Lord, please let me get through this lesson tonight because you know I have a whole lot more, but I'm going to be led by your spirit. This is just a preparation for me. But one of the things that uh, Christ does, hallelujah, when, when you understand what Christ does, Christ is this is what kept coming up in my spirit as I was studying. Christ is translucent. He's, he's the ability, the essence of God, the manifestation. It, it's the core of manifestation. Christ is the core of manifestation. So when we declare this year to be, be the year of manifestation, we're really saying this is the year that God releases the revelation of Christ. This is the year that we know that we, that we put together our actions, our commitment, our conversation, our communication, our lifestyle, our pattern of work into conformity to the nature of Christ. We are partakers of the divine nature. And so this particular lesson, I want you to go back and study Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 23 and 3. 4 and 10 through 17, because, because in that we see a summary of the advantages of having Christ in our life, because he's the fruit of our faith, and that's the message, his reality. And when we understand it, it's an advantage that will translate religious experiences, just professions of the words, the traditions of men, which make the word of God of no effect, reality. It'll make it a relationship, a righteous relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the Lord Jesus, the Lordship of Jesus, really helps us understand what it means to be complete in him. So tonight's lesson, for our first point, we want to talk about being complete, being complete in him, who? Christ. We're complete in Christ. So being complete establishes the model and motivation, Christ, as the fruit we have spiritually to prevail as supernatural beings. Tell me the second Corinthians. And, I, you know, 
I'm giving you the foundational scriptures of understanding the nature of Christ, and I would encourage you to teach on this particular thing to uh, uh, whatever you minister. Um, but uh, I tell you, we, we live we live greater than you know. The rejection of knowledge causes dispensational degeneration, de- degeneration to occur in, in, in the intended godliness that God ordains for our life. And, and the Christian experience that we say, and I like saying the Christian experience because when you, when you begin to discover who, what Christ is and how it pertains to you, one, you're going to rely totally on the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to find out what it, what you, whatever you got to do, you're going to do whatever you got to do to, first of all, to be found in the Lord Jesus. And then secondly, you're going to see a quality of life because Christ appears as our life. So then the Christian experience is, is, is ordained, if you will, for life to reveal the manner in which you should live. So being complete establishes the model and the motivation, Christ, as the fruit we have spiritually to prevail as supernatural beings. We are not natural beings experiencing supernatural phenomena. We are supernatural beings existing in humanity to to reveal the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to understand we're spirit. God sees us as spirit. And those who, 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 who desire to have fellowship with God must approach him and manifest that quality in their life. Second Corinthians chapter 3 also helps reveal these things. Let me read 2 through 5 with you right quick. It says, ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all. For as much as he manifestly declare to be an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the Living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly, um, but in fleshly tables of the heart, and such trust we have through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Now go down to verse 17 and verse 18. Now the Lord is is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Number one, Christ is the proof, the pattern, and the portion that the Spirit inscribes in the flesh to reveal our relationship we have with God as our sufficiency. The revelation of his Lordship being Jesus releases the Spirit with Spirit in us to grant the liberty that signifies our freedom in him. 
And in Christ is where God commands enlightenment to occur, to reveal his glory and the excellencies of his power in earthen vessels. Turn with me to, and I want you to, to chapter 4. Verse 67, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And, of course, you know it goes into that preacher's eye. Skip down to verse 13. We have in the same spirit of what? Faith, according to as it is written. I believe, therefore, I have spoken. We also believe, therefore, knowing that, that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us also or raise up, raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you for all things are your, um, for your sake that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God for which cause we faint not though our outward man perishes our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us a more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Why are we looking not at the things which are seen? For the things that, which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And of course, for we, for we know that our earthly house, and of course, you know, we have a building made by God. But I, I, I love this particular passage because it lets us know that there's a, there's a treasure in us, in earthen vessels. What's that treasure? Being complete in Christ. Hallelujah. So being complete in Christ, let it be, lets us reveal and it lets us know that the nature of the ministry of the Lord Jesus is given to us, all who are in him, to manifest his ministry in connection with being in him. So turn with me to collect 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's go to 14 through 21. And, of course, being in Christ reveals the true nature of mankind, revealing to, to us why it is important for us to receive Jesus as Lord. And our completeness in Christ gives us a comprehension divinely, revealing the scheme of reconciliation which also is why he commits his words to us. And in Christ, committing, um, um, being in Christ, commits us to his ministry, establishes the validity to why we are being made his righteousness. So in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21, we see, these principles. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which, which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him that died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. Yea, 
though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their transpasses unto them and have committed unto them the word of reconciliation. Now, then, we are ambassadors of Christ. As though, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he has made us to... He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Not only the righteousness of God, but the righteousness of God in him. Why? Because we're empowering the message, which is Christ, as our reality, being found complete in him. I pray the word is is, is, is really blessing you in, in this particular portion of teaching. And I want to conclude in this point. I could say more, but I have to stop very soon. Hallelujah. But being in Christ reveals the means and the mystery of the importance of the spirit-led life. That's what it means to be complete in him. It's the manifestation of the mystery and the means of being led exclusively by the Holy Spirit. And we'll conclude in these particular portions, Romans 8, verses 3 through 18, and Philippians 3, 7 through 9, and 13 through 15. In Christ, we receive the know-how of the Christian experience which is the substance of our faith and the evidence of the knowledge that cannot be naturally perceived. In Christ, the role of the Spirit is explained and with a clear description in Scripture to confirm why we must be led by the Spirit to be identified with Christ. And in Christ, is the answer to what it means to have a life as a child of God. In Romans, the eighth chapter, I tell you, you can get something out of the whole chapter of Romans, but for discipline's sake, we're going to read verses 3 through 18. And I'm going to try not to comment here. I'm just going to give you the scriptures. Because I can preach on this. You know, all of us who are preachers, we can preach on this. And it says in the word of God, for the law, what the law could not do, and that it was weak to the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled, there go, in us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they which are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh, but they which are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it does not it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, there it goes. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also. This is not a suggestion. This is not just a, a, a progressive revelation. But it shall quicken your mortal body. It shall quicken your mortal body by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not that we are death not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live to the spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many that are led of the Spirit of God, they are what? They are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Let me keep reading. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed, not in the future, but the glory that shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Hallelujah. And in Philippians, hallelujah, I'm excited about the word. I don't know about you, but I'm blessed to know that I'm empowered because I'm complete in him. And Jesus finishes his book. He finishes his business. He said it is finished, and it was finished. And it was finished so much that we are finished in him. And if we would allow him to be Lord, or really be Lord of our life, and not just a mere leader, but Lord, hallelujah. Lord, ruler, controller, sustainer, motivator, equipper in our life. We're going to see what it means and know to live as Christ and to die to the world and the fleshly things. Hallelujah. Is gain. My God from Zion. Well, turn with me to Philippians. I want to close with this passage. I don't know about you, but I was blessed by the word today. And I pray that the word did not fall on deaf ears. But Philippians, the third chapter. And we'll read verses 7 through 9 and 13 through 15. And it concludes this lesson appropriately. 
Hallelujah. Praise your Father. But what things were gained to me, those things I counted for, um, counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Hallelujah. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend, but this one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. Hallelujah. Of God. In Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if any other thing ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. Why? We're empowered because of the message of being complete in him. Hallelujah. Well, I'm out of time for tonight's lesson, and I, I trust and I thank the Holy Spirit for assisting me in this particular message. You know, I'm going to, when I get an opportunity, speak on this very same lesson. And I'm going to speak on it in another vantage point. But tonight I'm delighted that in the course of the first five months of the year, we've studied on manifesting what it means to truly have faith, what faith is all about. We don't go to the other suggestions of the academic and the accelerated activity that is assumed to quote-unquote faith movement. But we go to the author and the finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus, to establish faith in God. He's the substance and the evidence of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And when we allow God to first of all purpose within us to continue in the things which we have heard which are pertaining to the reality and the redemption of the Lord Jesus and not only to continue but to be established in in that wisdom and that knowledge that we receive from God we can then embody what it means the embody the glory of the reality of Christ. And then we can be empowered by that message because we're complete in him. And that's what makes our faith 
faith. Continue listening to the broadcast. Continue to listen. Review some of the previous teachings on the Great Manifesto. We're going to go into, in the next volume of studies, Manifesting the Spirit-Filled Life. And, of course, we concluded in the last portion of Manifesting Faith. And, and in Manifesting Faith, we are empowering the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only for just acknowledging it, that, but knowing that, that when we allow the Spirit of God to be the leader, we can embody and exemplify the quality of life that he intends for us. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for everything that you have spoken tonight. And I pray that they would not only hear the word tonight, but go back and study this word for themselves to have a clear understanding on their faith, to have a clear understanding on what it means to be in this year that has been declared manifestation. And that they would understand that there is a great endowment of the spirit and power and all authority in us manifesting the quality of life that you have ordained for us in this time. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your assistance in tonight's lesson. I thank you for the power that was afforded under the deliberation tonight. Hallelujah. Praise your Father. In Jesus' precious name. Well, I'll see you Monday all week. We're going to be on the Leadership Institute. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I, I don't even know how to contain all of what I'm going to be discussing. I get to discuss as a businessman, um, and I'm going to have someone else discuss as a ministry person. Hallelujah. So just, just, just join us next week. Thank you for listening to tonight's broadcast. And we'll see you in the future. God bless you. Bye-bye.